morning, everyone. Welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast. I am Tom. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Records. I'm Justin. I'm here for the ride. That hurts. Yeah. He's doing Buckle up and get those Dr. Scholl's uh, foot pads in your sneakers, buddy, because we got a wild ride tonight. Yeah, you don't want to walk around with bad foot gear, you know, with the heavy load that we have for you this evening. That's right. Yeah, man. I trucked it all the way from the house tonight, man. This is our special seven-inch vinyl record-themed episode, right? That's right. Yeah. Now, before we get crazy with all that stuff, I, I know from experience sometimes I get a little jumpy off the gun. How was your weekend, Tom? Wow. Thank you for asking, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we dive headfirst into death metal insanity. Yeah, this weekend, did some skateboarding. Um, that was yesterday. The day before, I went to a Moontooth show out at AMH in okay. Amityville, and they uh, they just destroyed the room. Sold out, as yeah. I understand. It was a wild show, man. It was like a show that they would shoot for a Hollywood movie, you know, because people are stage diving the entire time. It was like packed, like sardines and... Uh, just a mix of people, you know. It was. Uh, I'm thinking of the Parliament Funkadelic scene in PCU. I've never seen it. Or when the time plays in Purple Rain. Kind of like before, that. Yeah. We're on three different pages, but I, <laughs> I, I feel like the Moon Tooth show show went went great, regardless of what movie we think it was like. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Happy for the boys. That's How'd great. the skateboarding go, though? Not well. I could barely ollie. Yeah. Now <laughs> used to be able to uh, ollie very comfortably. Yeah, mm. I saw I saw it all happen, Tom. You, you didn't do it. Uh, easily, yeah. Because, uh, well, how was your week with skateboarding with me? My God, dude. Well, <laughs> uh, well, I landed two kick flips. That was great. Mm-hmm. That felt it felt young. Very nice. And that was about it. Then uh, the rest was just uh, all pain in knees and hips. Oh boy. Well, uh, how was your weekend there, bud? Uh, well, speaking of pain in knees and hips <laughs> and feeling old, I was. I've never been much of a skateboarder. Did a, a little fishing. Again, uh, here at Comstead State Park, I've mentioned it before on the show, man. Uh, three days in a row went out with the old man. Oh, actually, two days in a row with the old man. Saturday morning, he, he was tired. I went out by myself. Uh, we caught some uh, fish, caught our first bluefish of the season, man. And um, I did wear a biggie small shirt, represented down at the beach. I wore uh, an E-Town concrete shirt the one day. I try to represent when I go down there, man. Let the fish know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, did that. Um, we're working. We're finishing up some of the, the notes. We're getting some special guest vocalists on that Afterbirth album that we're, that we're finishing up right now that's going to come out next year. I'm not going to say any more about that, but we were working through that. Other than that, man, just you know, doing laundry and doing research for the podcast, man. Speaking of which. Love laundry. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's time to get heavy, right? Time, time to segue right into it, man. Yeah, so uh, we didn't have a guest for tonight. Um, we weren't able to schedule somebody we had reached out to. Man, we're going to uh, push that for another night. And I said, guys, remember that tape episode we did? What if we do the same thing but with seven inches? All right? Yes was the answer. Yeah, I believe it was. I like that. Yeah, which I was glad because I, you know, I didn't want to like interview my uh, my grandfather or something or my uncle. Man, I wanted you know I, I pull a guest out of my head. So I got all these records. Now we're gonna start though. I gotta explain something. Uh, we did the tape episode, and this is like the companion piece in a way, man, because. A cassette tape was your friend, uh, especially back in these you know pre MP3 pre digital file sharing days. Because when you bought your records, like first of all, these records, these underground grindcore, death metal, noise, whatever you want, whatever type of genre it was, these are like limited to a hundred, limited to three hundred, limited to like a thousand if you're lucky. You know, what I mean, these were obscure, and this was. Also, in the 90s, before you could just look it up on Discogs and order it from wherever, you were getting it from the label or a handful of distributors or from the band themselves, and they were gone. 
you know, and, and tracking them down on the internet wasn't a thing. So these things were rare. So what you would do, you'd get a couple of seven inches from your record store, you'd order them from the mail, you'd trade them, whatever, not even seven inches, your vinyl, you know, whatever, and you'd dub them all down onto a cassette tape so that you, now, now they're portable. Now you can listen to them in your Walkman, which is the only portable form of music in this era we're talking about. You don't have MP3s and iPads and phones, uh, you know, whatever. So so now, like, what I did, I found these two tapes when I was looking around last night because I wanted to bring these in, man. And these are just high... One of them actually says high school vinyl, vinyl completely misspelled, V-Y-N-I-L, mix 1997. <laughs> and uh, this has uh, one for one... Uh, the I Won't Lose 7-inch. If you know One for One, the old New Jersey straight-edge hardcore band uh, had their 7-inch that I bought from none of the above records, the record store out in uh, Selden Center Reach area. It's like a nail salon now. Uh, Dahmer, uh, Dahmer 7-inch, and then Dahmer from Canada 7-inch, and then I got cute. I did Dahmer from Ohio split 7-inch with... Uh, uh, apartment 216 the motive seven inch which we're going to talk about later mm-hmm. uh carol from germany which we're not going to talk about later but uh you know the, the great hardcore band there's a reason they never put turntables in vehicles yeah <laughs> it's never yeah. been practical it's work. N- yeah not on not on pulaski road by me not in the neighborhoods by me bro. they don't they don't, they, they don't fix the potholes for months man after this after the snowstorms yeah man because you buy all these seven inches are cheap like even back in the day they were like three dollars four dollars man it's a cheap way to get a couple of songs by your bands and, you know, vi- for your vinyl collectors, you got all these, like, 12-inch LPs, but you can't listen to them on the bus, on the train, you know, in school when you're cutting class or whatever the case might have been. So you, you dub them all down onto your C60 or your C90 cassette tapes. And then this is the other one I had. I just wanted to talk about this one. This one is, like, the sick one. Um, lymphatic phlegm, blood-splattered pathological dysfunctions on uh, 10-inch vinyl, 18 songs, as I noted. Then after that, you have Phobia, Enslaved 7-inch, uh, and Hemdale, three songs from the split seven inch with Exit Thirteen. That's side A. Side B, you got Impaled songs from the split seven inch with Cephalic Carnage. Uh, the Dahmer self-titled seven inch. I was a big fan of Dahmer from Canada, so I put that on this one too. Squash Bowels, something nice seven inch, and Extreme Noise Terror Peel Sevens, uh, Peel Peel Sessions seven inch. Excuse me. So I mean, that's a sick tape, dude. These this is what I was used used to listen to, like when I would take the train. Or, uh, you know, take the bus to school or whatever was going on back in the day, man, in high school. And you had your, your record collection sitting at home in the shoebox, but you were rolling with it, too, that way, man. So that's like, the, I just wanted to touch on that, like, intimate relationship between cassettes and vinyl that was, like, vital. You know, nowadays you do that, too, but it's vitally important back in the era when I was growing up and collecting this stuff. Yeah, you can't do anything with it. Take it out. And the first thing you do is record it. And, well, yeah, and that's the other thing is that all this stuff is limited and hard to get. That's what I started off talking about. So you want to play it as minimal as possible. A lot of these seven inches I bought back in the day or records in general, I would play once. And the first time I would play it, I would be dubbing it down on the cassette. And then from then going forward, I would only listen to that cassette because you're preserving the record that way, right? Right. You know, and then every once in a while, maybe you will play the record like on a special occasion or something, man. You, you get, get religious with it. You get your vinyl and you keep it at home. That's your fine china. Yeah, your, yeah. Your cassettes, your paper plates. Take yeah. them on the go. Because mm-hmm. over the years, you Get might the make same job done. Well. I make three or four. Uh, you know, play that record three or four times, and that's like the three or four dubs you've made of it over like ten years. Your record is still in pretty good shape. You know, so that's that's what we used to do, man. So I got these two cassettes. I just wanted to read that off and talk about these tapes because these are. And even now, I would go to these maybe and put these on in the room when I'm just listening to music quicker than I would you know set up my record player and get fancy with it if I'm feeling lazy or whatever. And um, that being said. 
because also when you're playing these seven inch records, these seven inch records are have never been as appealing to me as your regular like ten inch or twelve inch conventional uh, you know LPs or whatever you call them record you know albums because you got to get up and flip them over after one or two songs and then after the other two songs you got to get up and change the record again you know so it turns into like you only really listen to your seven inches when you're ready to sit there and have a session and and devote your time to that you know so like making this tape makes it a lot easier too. The seven inch comes from radio play. Mm-hmm. They would get sent around, they're dubbed out, and they, they print them for the sole purpose of getting radio time. Yep. They would send the radio stations like five or six copies, so if, hopefully they get played enough or something happens. But yeah, it's only meant to have one or two songs. It's not a practical thing to consume. Uh, well, not for the mass market, but actually became a very practical thing to consume for underground music, yeah, where they're I, trying to print things up cheap and people are buying things cheap and all that. Yeah, no, I'm just talking about more the origin of it. I know it became yeah, yeah. something totally different. You're exactly right. Um, and, and and, uh, you know, so so talking about the shortness of it, I actually the first two things I'm going to start off talking about aren't even seven inches yet. Let's get let's get let's get let's get all the dick jokes out of the way. Yeah, all right, like, yeah, come like on, a, get it. like a like a boy. Not come even on, guys. Seven inches yet. Doesn't look like a seven incher to me. Yeah, something like that. The, bing small, bong. small penis. Whoa, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Get it out of your system. Kevin Smith has a podcast. Go listen to that. If that's what you're looking for. <laughs> all right. So uh, we got this five inch Hell Nation. At war with emo, uh, the dude um, Doug, uh, who plays bass and, vo- and vocals on this recording, and was in Hell Nation. He's also in um, Erectile Dementia, uh, which was recommended by Mason from Enemy Soil, and I believe Doug also, uh, or, or Doug, or a member of Hell Nation, sang on a Reeking Cross album, which was Mason's, uh, you know, Mason's other project, but. Mason recommended uh, a, a newer project by one of the guys that was in Hell Nation. Yeah, the um, what is it called? Uh, erectile uh, Erectile Dementia. Dementia. Yeah. Rock and Roll Abortion is the name of the album. Very really interesting, weird album, but it's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This may be more of a conventional, like I don't know, like this stuff gets called power violence, fast core, you know, I don't know, punk, hard, whatever you want to call it, man. This is just like super speedy, noisy, hardcore. Um, really sick band, Hell Nation, man. I believe they were from Kentucky. Uh, and this is that War with Emo, man. You know, we heard that little intro before, and then you see this cover, man. They were just kind of, I guess, taking a stand against maybe the indie rock emo thing, pop punk thing that was going on or whatever at the time, man. Five-inch record, they managed to fit eight songs on it, man. I mean, these guys are wilding out, man. Really noisy, cool shit. True grind. Yeah, Hell Nation is a really cool, when you're, when you're, uh, Traversing this landscape of like 90s um, grindcore, power violence, punk, whatever you want to call this stuff, man. Hell Nation is a really fun band to get into. So uh, check them out. Also check out Brody's Militia, uh, as we said, Erectile Dementia, uh, Reeking Cross, Associated Projects, so to speak. Um, so that you know, that's the first one right off the bat. We are going to yeah. try to keep this moving tonight because I'm still wiping the tears from my face. I had to, I had to cut this pile of records in half just to fit the format of the show tonight. So we're going to keep it moving. See that? Let me see that. Is this a five inch? No, this is like a six inch, I think, right? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. one inch between the yeah. five and the seven. No joke. I left the tape measure uh, at home, but this is the uh, Melt Banana 666, entitled 666, six inch. Um, 
Came out uh, in 2002 on uh, Level Plane, uh, Level Plane Records. It's got three songs on it. Mel Banana, um, where do I start? Weird band. I mean, this is... Wild band. This is uh, Japanese grindcore in its truest spirit in the way, because it's not like any American or UK-style grindcore whatsoever. It's not straightforward, ever. Yeah. I don't know. It's like jazz influences, pop influences are happening. Yeah, yeah there's a really eccentric, psychedelic kind of pop element to this. And it's weird because one of, a band I've talked about on the show before, Clotted Symmetric Sexual Organ from Japan, not at all like this in a way, but both grindcore and pop music and, and a lot of influences running wild, man. It's like a grind Mr. Bungle, like, yeah, something yeah. kind of thing. I think they've so worked weird. with Mike Patton before, or at least they toured with, like, Phantomas and, uh, and Mr. Bungle. It would make a lot of sense. Something. And they've also toured uh, with Dave Witte, uh, who people know from Human Remains and, you know, obviously Municipal Waste or whatever as their drummer. Um... This, yeah, this three-song, six-inch, man, I love it because I was telling you guys before, I feel like it's a little poppy at times, like, and, it, and that's not to say that they make, like, pop music, but in some of the, I guess, the delivery and the song structure, they add, like, this weird pop element to what they're doing, which is bizarre psychedelic grindcore, and I don't know, man, I saw them live at the old Knitting Factory when it was in Manhattan in the early 2000s, and it was such a show, man, really crazy. Dave Whitty was there playing drums, uh, as I said, and, um... I had their album Teeny Shiny, which came out around that time, and um, then I bought this six inch man. Really fascinated with this band, and this is a band you can go down the wormhole. I mean, this shit is just so cool. It's so Japanese and interesting, <laughs> and you know, so catchy, yeah, too. So like weird and out there and unexpected, keeps you guessing what's gonna come next, but. The whole time it's catchy, and it's like earwormy, man. It sticks with you. This is something you can listen to over and over again for years, and it's always uh, it's always real bright and catchy, you know? Something about Japanese female vocals, man. It, it, it gets in your brain like that. It's so adorable. She, so it's, like, powerful, yeah. She, she's, she's got it, man, yeah. So I, whatever, she, whatever she does, she does it, man. Kind of going off, I'm rattling off all of the special, uh, you know, things. So this is the first actual seven inch we're talking about. This is a flexi seven inch. It's about what would you say this is like the 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 um, consistency of, like the thickness of, man. This is it's like an old floppy disk. Yeah, or like a bigger like well, version one of Oregon Trail, maybe. Uh, little thin floppy joints. It's a flexi, man. You get the decibel puts them out. Yeah, yeah they had a lot they, of the time. they get some cool singles on there. Yeah. 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 So this was uh it was on um To Live a Lie Records. Uh came out in uh two thousand two. Uh actually wait. Oh, hold on a second, man. Big Will's taking the glasses off. Two thousand eight, I'm sorry, six years later than I said. Two thousand eight, Sissy Spacek. 
Uh, very strange band. Um, very great, uh, beautiful actress from Carrie. Uh, you might remember her. And also, the, what was the movie? Hot Rod we were talking about? Yeah. yeah. But uh, the band named themselves Sissy Spacek from uh, California. Really weird band. They vary from noise to grindcore to, what you know, like really strange experimental stuff from release to release. And I, I got this flexi from somewhere. I think I might have got it when None of the Above Records was closing down. I'm not sure. Um, and uh, it's just a couple of really noisy, weird live tracks, man. It's it's, it's just blasty, crazy noise core, man. But I just wanted to t talk about these flexies. I, I would imagine these flexies are really cheap to produce. And you see them a lot of times in magazines. Decibel's been doing it a lot the last few years, but you used to see this a lot in some of the, the higher-end zines, mm -hmm. you know, that, that maybe would be distributed in Tower Records and stuff, but were still very independent. They put in, like, a little flexi with a couple of the bands they were talking about or something like that for you. Well, and it, um, it goes right into the binding of, mm -hmm. a, of a magazine, so you actually have to rip it out of the magazine. Really convenient, man. And I see sometimes I've seen like creative packaging based around having a flexi, man. So, so there's that, man. And Sissy Spacek for our, our grind and noise freaks while we're talking about all this stuff, man. That's another band you might want to check out, man. And um, moving forward, the last special format kind of record I brought is this razor blades, razor saw shaped uh, vinyl, man. Saw blade shaped vinyl. You could cut yourself on this. Yeah, so you can circular saw blade. You can cut some trim. This is yeah. not safe. Like <laughs> this record that I'm holding, man. You could definitely cut yourself uh, if you like, kind of dropped it or like held it too tight or something like that. But this is the. Um, it's reminiscent of the uh, Pigsty album that Paula brought over. The uh, yeah, it is. You're spider, right. Yeah, which yeah. I'm both very uh, dangerous. You know, the the content isn't for kids. The actual packaging isn't for kids. Absolutely. This is that talking about not for kids. This is the band Psycho from Boston, by the way, who I've talked about in adoration on the podcast before. And uh, they actually they have a song, um, uh, Legalized Murder, uh, where the words were written by Gigi Allen, apparently. So uh, talking about not safe for kids. But this is awesome. And this, in addition to being highly collectible, sick, uh, saw blade shaped vinyl 7-inch, this is a really good Psycho record. Psycho style varies. Their production varies from release to release. They've been around for like, I don't know, 30-something years. So this is a really good uh, place to start if you want to look up uh, Psycho, man. It's the, um, let's see. I don't know, it's got four songs, Vertigo, Animal, Religious, and Legalized Murder. Maybe it's called a self-titled 7-inch. came out on Patak Records, and uh, really, really good, catchy, angry hardcore. I'd say so. Uh, definitely for your, definitely for fans of Crust Punk, too. Um, yeah, this it's got is... got the D-beat most of the way through, so, you know, if you like Discharge, you like Verrukers, things like that, check this out. Real punk, man. Yeah. And um, I, I don't think, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to move through these, uh, you know, relatively fast we can cover everything man i also brought this shrunken seven inch which was an earlier psycho seven inch this is actually the first seven inch vinyl i ever bought and as i've said on the show before on the tape episode uh i bought this from charlie infection uh from his uh, infection distribution probably let's see this shrunken seven inch came out in 93 i probably bought it around 96 97 in my early teens because i got the cover art on an ad from adam uh, Adam Rotella, we used to, you know, all those little paper ads that you would get that I've talked about before. Adam would like, he would just hand them out to people, you know, if, if, if you met him and he talked about metal. And they had the cover art and I and it was done. Done deal. This is the infamous first record that I bought and I probably got a million little ads from Charlie Infection and I was off. Yeah, it's like we'll post the cover art so you can yeah. see what I'm talking about. Yeah, we're, we're going to take pictures of all this stuff, man. This obviously, this is for like the real psycho fans. Um, 
you know, way different sounding. Very raw. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's an earlier release, definitely. Uh, it's more of a death metal approach. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, the vocals here. This is, you know, Kinda. he's doing like a napalm style, like bark vocal. Absolutely, know? yeah. And they, it's like I said, Psycho's a band. They're fun because they vary from release to release, like more punk, more hardcore. Some releases they have different members write different songs, and you can even hear the difference there. So they always keep you guessing, man. Psycho, Psycho's a great band, man. We'll let it let it ring out a minute. All right, this next one I got another like near and dear one to me, but um, more uh, from the hardcore realm. I even hesitate to call this a hardcore band, although they were most most certainly part of the Long Island hardcore scene in the early to mid '90s. Talking about Motive, uh, you might know Ryan Lipinski, guitarist. He's in Unearthly Trance, a uh, band that's uh, been around Long Island for a long time. The last few years, they've had quite a resurgence. They've been playing Vitus a lot and doing things, and um, this band just so epic. Uh, melodic. The drums, like we said, are so driving and, and forceful. Such a combination of, of like rhythm and melody in this band. Really predating. Uh, this record came out in '97, and Motive had been around for a few years. Predating the, the kind of like screamo and metalcore, like you know, thing that was going on uh, in the early 2000s a lot. It, uh, yeah, it pulls at the emotion strings with the writing a little bit, but it's also very aggressive and absolutely, you know, yeah. This is like Long Island metalcore, like that. There's a def- if there's a definitive sound, mm-hmm. like this is what it sounds like, you know, from glass jaw to like heavier earlier taking back Sunday, you know, to like sky came falling. Like you're saying, or exactly, like those three bands you just mentioned, exactly. Um, I feel like this predates that, and and a lot of times when people talk about screamo, I talk about how there was a much more organic raw version of that that was that was much more in tune with hardcore in like a natural way that predates a lot of that stuff and this is a good example i would give of that man but definitely you know motive such a good band and this is probably my favorite release of theirs they had uh this is actually the a doctrine of scripted torture uh three song seven inch and it's interesting too because you can read the lyrics and if you're a local, you might know the story if you're old school. There was, a, I guess, a falling out between the band members, between the first 7-inch and this 7-inch, and some of the lyrics address that in the song Farewell to the Actor. Um, really interesting lyrics, just interesting artwork. This was kind of like your like your art school uh, dark hardcore band, you know, which is where you get some of that pre-screamo thing from. You know, this everything about this band, there was nothing like tough guy about it you know what i mean it was you're in the dark room printing your black and white photos and very much so man that's you know the the 
That's 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 what these type of hardcore kids were doing, man. So yeah, and uh, you know, obviously we talked about Ryan Lipinski, man. Hope to, I, I got to reach out and see if maybe he'll come on the show and talk about Unearthly Trance. Shout out to those guys. Yeah, hopefully. But um, for for those of you Unearthly Trance uh, fans out there that may have uh, you know heard of the band Unearthly Trance or be fans of them, this is an interesting way to to maybe trace some of the development of that band because um, I really love Motive, man. It, it, it's even their other releases, the Iverse, the Beckoning of Darkness CD was amazing. Re- really raw and ahead of its time. Um, total organic production, man. And you can just hear like the, like the, it's like a desperate quality to this yeah. band. Urgency, man. Urgency, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. So yeah, so motive, man. I'm gonna, I could go on all night, but we'll, we'll wrap it there and we'll let it play out a little bit. Uh, just one more note on motive. Uh, this is the first time I'm hearing this when you brought it tonight. Mm-hmm. Snare drum. That's it. Oh yeah, say. yeah. Pete Motive on drums, uh, everybody. Yeah, big <laughs> sh- big hell. shout to to Long Island's uh, Pete Motive on drums. The drumming um, on on this record is just outstanding, man. Drumming on on any Motive record outstanding, but this one especially. That's uh, there's no blast beats, but this might even qualify as ping just for that snare. So, you know, I had to give my little history lesson, my personal, uh, you know, tug at the heartstrings, Wills. And I'm still I'm still there. I'm still in high school with you guys. But uh, we're going away from Long Island. We're, we're going into the abyss right now. This is some crazy shit, man. We're going all the way back to 1993. Uh, rotting Flesh from Brazil. The uh, Infantatious Monstrosity 7-inch came out on Rotheness Records. Um, Rotheness, uh, kind of an infamous Brazilian gore, early Brazilian gore grind label. People, if people don't know, listening to the show, Brazil, huge gore grind country, um, going way back too, man. Huge history of gore grind in Brazil. South America in general has its own culture of heavy music, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they're no slouches. Yeah, yeah. There's some crazy stuff, and we don't we don't get much of the circulation. Here, yeah, know? yeah. Well, that's what I was talking about too before is how rare some of this stuff was, and what's funny too is. Um, this is such an underground relic because you open it up and it's, you know, it's just black and white, obviously photocopied cover. Um, and that's just how things were. No little plastic sleeve. Look at the label. Label's just like, look, look at that artwork too, actually. That artwork for the, yeah, it's uh... disgusting. Yeah, yeah, it's just, this is, this, you know, and I, I'm, I say this not to, um, disrespect or degrade any of the newer, like, OSDM old school bands that are coming out now, but this is what they're going, this is what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the artwork like this on the label here, the black and white photocopy kind of look, man, this is what people are going for now, and there's a reason why. And look at this, is kind of cut and paste style layout here. We'll take pictures of this, <coughs> excuse me, for the social media, but, um, my favorite part is uh, in the thanks list, hello to Euronymous and Mayhem, Trey and Morbid Angel, uh, Black Winds and Blasphemy, Jan and Agathocles, Splatteria, 
Uh, they they even they even take a shot. They go Bill and old carcass, <laughs> Jeff and vital <laughs> remains. But I mean, just the idea like there was nothing to be in contact through the post office with these guys for this band rotting flesh from Brazil, man. It, I mean, really uh, a true underground relic here. And talking about the music, I mean, what brutal, noisy, barbaric, savage gore grind this is. I mean. Yeah, there's something about, like, mentioned before, like, listening to this drummer. This is, like, how a... Drummers would... They don't dare to be recorded like this anymore. No, no. This, this is just <laughs> a, a, probably a room mic, and that's it, you know? Yeah. It's really fun to listen to this record through headphones and try to picture the room it was recorded in in the studio and what the producer was doing, man. It's one of those old gore grind albums. I feel like this predates... The era of like your last days of humanity and your regurgitate and your gut and all that stuff. When when the production got a little thicker and they started treating them more like death metal production and stuff. This is just kind of like punk rock production on your gore grind. It sounds like whatever you had to use, you used it. You know, dude, those guitars just sound like they run run through a Walkman as a as an amp. I mean, <laughs> could so, be. Wouldn't be. Yeah. Really wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Love it. Rotting flesh. They also have a. Uh, a CD, and I see that a compilation CD of all their old material had been released a few years ago, so you could look all this stuff up, man, but this was, um, uh, interesting enough, it came out on Rothiness Records, and then it says Hellion Records, commercial, uh, commercial import and export, so I guess that's how it arrived in my hands at some point. Yeah, rot Rotting Flesh from Brazil, and there's, I mean, we could talk about Sarcastic, we could talk about Lymphatic Phlegm, there's just so many, uh, Flesh Grinder, there's just a lot of really great classic Brazilian gore grind. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to, you know, bring Paulo back and get into that, but for now, that's this Rotting Flesh 7-inch, man, we'll, we'll push on to the next one. Now, do you guys think I'm going to pretty it up with the next release that I'm going to talk about? Doubt it. <laughs> I, no. We're getting into Metal of Death territory, baby. This is uh, one of many bands named Fledgathon. This is the one spelled 
F-L-E-G-E-T-H-O-N from Greece. Um, and I think there might even be another one from Greece. This is the super ugly one. that I believe they only put out this 7-inch. It's called Doomed in Eternal Suffering. Um, from uh, It was limited to 500 copies. Mine is not uh, numbered at all, so I have no idea. Released September 93 on Molon Lave Records. Um... Listen to this crap. One of the... (laughs) This is insane. Yeah. Look, listen to this crazy shit. Okay, so you... When we were listening to this before, you... You said you thought this was a drum machine. I thought this was a drum machine. Yeah. Maybe this is a really sick drummer. There's just something about it. This guy is... This guy works like... um, He works... At the Fiat factory, you know, like putting together shit, you know, like, like running the line, man. He's a machine. This is Pinhead, right? Yeah, Pinhead just. Yeah, Pinhead, pinhead the drums. Yes. All right, I'm convinced now, all right, that this guy is maybe he's just a crazy drummer, man. The only thing I know is that it, it takes four men to make this craziness. Uh, and it sounds like a, a bedroom black metal project, but th- it's like almost, it's like a good thing. It's all, I'm reverent about it because this is the metal of death. <laughs> Rotting Flesh was also the metal of the death, just for clarification, by the way. Um, okay. I, you know, trying to hold back on the rants. I feel like I have a different opinion about whether this is the metal of death. Or it, shoot. I, I just don't think it falls in that category. I think it's, it's too ugly. <laughs> too ugly to be metal. So what is it? <laughs> Metal. It's just not that. Mold metal? I need to sit on this for a little bit longer because I do like it. I like how machine-like it is. And these vocals are weird. He's, like, cracking through the guttural performance, you know? Yeah. It's like he... This it, dude is more pissed off than he is professional. This is and just I like that. torturous black metal. I mean, torturous, yeah. monstrous music from hell. That's the only way to... To describe it, doomed in eternal suffering. So in about three weeks, we'll come back and re-debate the metal of death argument. Hey, I'm we'll just soaking. I'm bit. down. This bro. one, this seven inch specifically. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm down. Like when you say that, for the most part, I'm like, I get it. This one, I'm not feeling that. I mean, for me, a lot of it too is in the guitar tones and the vocals being so ugly. It, it just sounds like a, a, like you know, like in 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 movies. A demon sounds like a death metal singer. Yeah. He's like, walk, walk with me to hell. Or whatever. Yeah. You know, like like in real life, a demon would probably sound like this. Like a big, fat, drunk, <laughs> belligerent ogre. It's his hair coming out of everywhere. Yeah, like, like he's not going to sound artful and, you know. Like Sweating the different voice, colors. Yeah, the voice is going to crack. There's going to be slobber. Okay, I think I know why I don't think this is the metal of death. It's too dry. Death is, like... Death has like longer transience because it's forever. It's uh, well, too static. I, it is ugly, but I don't know, man. It's just like I, I enjoy it. Though. It's just got this, like I said, like a fuzzed out bedroom production vibe that I can't get enough of, man. It's just, it's so super ugly and lo fi and obscure. I mean, also, the thing about Medal of Death sometimes is the obscure nature of this release uh, speaks a lot to me. Let it ring out for the people and they can decide. Hear that? 
Is that Tim Allen and the Santa Claus? <laughs> no, that's uh, that's what demons sound like in movies. Like I was just saying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, like yeah. like the like Spot on. like uh, Legend. What was the guy in Legend? No, I'm blanking. Wasn't he Tim something? Whatever, man. The guy with the big horns. The yeah, no. Sick voice, sick intro, but that's not what demons John sound like. John Leguizamo anyway. Spawn. Yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So this is a Dramalek from Finland with their Spring of Recovery 7-inch, uh, man. And uh, this was released 1993 by um, Ad- Siri Records from France. I'm taking a chance on that one, man. I know it's a sick label that has a reputation for putting out a lot of that cool old school shit. A Diposiri or a Dipokiri uh, records. But um, this Spring of Recovery, sick enough sonically, in my opinion, to be Metal of Death. But the mysterious nature of the band and the artwork, I've always wondered, is it Metal of Death or is it too, like, shadowy and mysterious and in the woods and not ugly enough? It's very refined and atmospheric and mystical. Well, okay, so now we've gone from the 7-inch to 7 inches of death. Episode. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Well, there's a valid debate here. I feel with this particular record. One of my all-time yeah. favorite bands, Adramalik, as many people know. Renaming the episode as the Seven Inches of Death. If we that why not? That's a sick. There you go. You heard it here. Not first. sexual at all. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is like uh, this is the point in the podcast where you realize, oh, that's why they called it that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, something that always struck me about this seven inch is the um, the drum and the, the the sound of the guitars, bass, and drums combined reminds me more of like your squash bowels or your dead infection or regurgitate. I mean, the, sonically, the, there's a lot of gore grind here. Yeah, the the bass guitar is definitely that like chapter of accidents kind of sound. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But the drums are something else. They they're not as like high end. They're mm-hmm. like they're tucked in there they're thicker they're like solid clunk yeah Yeah. and but the thing the thing that really I think drives this one home for me is it's that style of production and guitar tone uh, musically but they're playing really cool death metal like really riff driven atmospheric death metal they let the parts breathe they let their riffs breathe and this is all a build-up right now, man. And when the vocals come in, it's just swamp, souped-out, guttural vocals in the tradition of your uh, your bands like Demolich. Um, a drama like a band I got into with some friends when we were looking for, for like, the next uh, answer to Demolich. You know, we, mm-hmm. we got into Demolich when the Necropolis reissue came out in the 90s, and we were just like, what's what's the, what's another Finnish band? Let's find the other obscure Finnish bands. And we found uh, a drama like Psychostasia record that came out on Repulse Records, which is a great album. And doing the backtrack research over the years, I came across this, man. I've spoken about the 7 EP on the show before. Yeah, that was uh, one of the first, like, five episodes. That was the first mm-hmm. time I had heard of drama and Great band, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I keep revisiting yeah. that one. Yeah, so if you've heard of Drama Lake, this is just a very early release, which has that, again, I think something not to disrespect the younger generation. Um, you know, if anything, I, I'm glad that they're trying to maybe attain or reach back and get some influence from this type of stuff, but this is what those bands are going for. Mm-hmm. It's just straight out of the, uh, the, the, the abysmal swamp, you know? You know, I feel like they use too many microphones on the kick drum. <laughs> like they might have mic'd it up. Hey yeah, man, it, it works for me because I really love this kind of like thumpy, clunky quality um, that that it has to almost like someone's just hitting a, 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 a kick drum in a room alone, like just the kick drum, like and isolating it or something. Well, I, I'd say that because it sounds like a Home Depot bucket being slammed on the ground. It sounds yeah. like a car backfiring. It sounds like so much stuff is happening in this 
kick drum sound. And that's part of the appeal to me is how much it cuts through the music. You don't hear that often. It's an interesting mix, this whole 7-inch, too, when you listen to the, how the vocals sit. The vocals sit very clearly. The guitars almost play this background wall of noise position. The drums, like, like you said, the kick drums really cut through, and the vocals just sit on top of everything like very this nice cloud sound. of guttural soup, you know? Yeah. Just kind of melting. Yeah, this is uh, perfect death metal in my opinion. And I'll just leave it there. Let the listeners agree with me or not. All right, what's up next? All right, uh, I got another obscure Colorado band, Hideous Corpse. Um, two songs, seven inch. The songs were Gallery of Gore and Baptized in Puss. I think it's probably just referred to as Gallery of Gore slash Baptized in Puss seven inch. Um, it was actually uh, it was recorded at Avalanche Recording in Colorado by a man named James Thomas, but it was mixed at Morris Sound Studios by Scott Burns. Uh, as was, you know, the I, hes- I hesitate to use the word trend, but as was the fashion in uh, those days. This was, uh, again, from the magical year 1993. What right was there. it about that year, 1993, man? We got to do a whole episode about that, maybe. What year man. was Waco? Uh, uh, 94. That's why it did. Is that why it happened? Because the releases weren't as good the following year? My I don't hat. know. I'm just seeing if there's a tie. My hat was made. I only know 94. Dave Koresh struck me as way more of a hippie than a metalhead, but I don't know that much about that. No, I'm just talking about the the ethos of the country and, and the world at that time. Pro- I don't know, man. I'm just trying to dig into your whole conspiracy theory. We're going to we're gonna, we're gonna get. We're gonna pull it up. We're going to get back to it. 93. Huh? 93. Same year. Wow. There you go. A lot happened in 93. Was it late 93 or early 93? Early. Okay. A lot happened in 93, man. It was a sick sick time, sick music. Um, getting back to this uh, uh, hideous corpse, though, man. This is a really cool old-school death metal. I, f- I feel like there's some suffocation influence here. Some of that little cannibal corpse, little suffocation, little deicide. All the, all the right moves were being made for the, for the time, for the climate. Um, and they put out this two-song seven-inch and broke up, or at least a few members uh, changed uh, around things around and became a band called Skeleton of God. Okay, so like we were saying, Hideous Corpse uh, then becomes Skeleton of God. Skeleton of God moving, I mean, maybe that's when like the weed started getting really good in Colorado and they were like, whoa, you know, like, because Skeleton of God, way more psychedelic, experimental kind of band. And like we said, predates the cephalic carnage sound in a weird way, man. I really feel like this band was like influential of that Colorado sound. Yeah, and they have a lot of the same imagery with uh, a lot of weed. They're into the weed thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Rocky yeah. Mountain Hydro Grind, as they, they call it. Yeah, yeah they're, they're technically still active, and they had a, a full length that they put out in 2008. 
Yeah, so Skeleton of God, a band I'm going to revisit. Definitely. Check out. Um, I slept on them. Don't you sleep on them. Don't make the same mistakes we did. I think similar to you know the way you like to classify bands as Metal of Death, specifically from Colorado, I think the, the, the bar to reach is, is this Rocky Mountain Mud. Yeah, and I think this yeah. kind of this and and uh, and hideous corpse this is Rocky Mountain mud. Yeah, de- so definitely it. don't sleep on on skeleton of God like we did up until today. In the words of Jay Z, Hove did that, so hopefully you won't have to go through that. Interesting. Okay, it's that time of the evening, everyone, where we do album recommendations. Yes. And uh, this is where we tell you things. Sometimes you know the thing. But uh, sometimes you don't. Be real. Yeah. I hope you don't, because we're trying <laughs> to explain something. Yeah. So uh, what are we going to start off with? Oh, something old or something new? Uh, we'll start with the new stuff. Okay, hey. sick. Hey, Tom, what do you got that's new? I have brought in an Icelandic band. Ooh. I is am- it Bjork? <laughs> it's not. Damn <laughs> But, uh, I would be into it. <laughs> uh, I feel like you guys will be into this. Probably our first real trek into any kind of black metal. We don't really talk about black metal that much, but I, I would like to change that. And uh, yeah, so Svarti Dodi, which wow. means Black Death in Icelandic. Amazing. And this is their new album, Revelations of the Red Sword, that came out last year on Van Records. Uh, This was brought to my attention by one of our listeners, actually, Phil from Phil's Breakfast Metal. He has a podcast, he talks shop about metal, he knows his stuff, and he listens to the show. We've been talking on Twitter, and he showed me this, and I'm like, this is going in. This is going in as the new one, because it's beautiful. It's got some death metal elements in the vocal style, but overall it's through and through black metal. As you can hear now, uh, it's all about the atmosphere. Lots of reverb, a lot of really distinctive melodies throughout it. Kind of reminds me of a less corny version of some of the Gothenburg Swedish metal. Mm. Things just kind of stay in your head, but they leave the corniness behind. And I'm not knocking the corniness, because I like some corny stuff, too. Catchy, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, they're obtaining the catchy stuff without coming across hokey, and I really like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a three-piece from Reykjavik, the capital of Iceland. There's some tasteful synthesizer work happening throughout this, mm. and I really recommend checking this out. And thanks to Phil for bringing this to my attention. Yeah, shout out to Phil. Very cool.
What's in the wheelhouse, Justin? What's new for you? So for a new boy I have this week, uh, Devil Master from Philadelphia. Their new album, Satan Spits on Children of Light, <clears throat> off of Relapse Records. Came out this uh, this year, 2019, a couple months ago. Yeah, awesome. that this sounds like Philly. That album title sounds Ooh. like Philly. Philly's trouble. Philly's <laughs> trouble. Gotta, Don't go there alone. You gotta look out for Philly. Watch, watch out, out for, for Philly. It. Oh, boy. All fuck right. The, fuck the Flyers. Gritty, overrated. I anyway. didn't say nothing about no Philly sports teams. I gotta go there and play shows, all right? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what this guy's talking about. This is, uh, I love Philly. This is not Will's opinion. <laughs> I gotta go down there and go to sketchy bars and play shows, bro. Well, well Devil Master gives you a great reason to uh, head down to Philly on recreation. Because, no doubt. Um, this band formed in 2015. They've been picking up steam over the past couple of years. Uh, releasing a couple of demos uh, before catching the attention of Relapse Records, who um, took their their previous two demos and uh, created a little compilation of it, put that out late 2018, and then this band came right out with this full length. Um, I, I, I've been spinning this record a lot. Uh, I see it as this, 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 this dance between the building blocks of classic death metal uh, punky DB crust and like gothic death rock, which is, is you know, it's, uh, <laughs> that's a pretty accurate evaluation of this. Uh, and and actually, the more like you uh, or the deeper you get into this record, like they kind of throw some psychedelic in there and a little bit of like a little bit of surf. Um, overall, it's just like super catchy uh, from from the riffs to like uh, some like the bass parts that come through. Um, I've been trying to like pinpoint a comparison, like a you know, like a who, like what bands you would compare this to, and having researched like their live show a little bit, they try and put on like a, a you know, do a little bit with the theatrics. They they play behind cobwebs, I guess, wherever they uh, wherever they pull up to a venue, spread some spider webs up in the front. Party all, City loves them. <laughs> they probably got a, a discount card for sure. Uh, they're all painted up, kind of kind of bring the energy a little bit. Uh, I see them as like. Uh, a ghost, but not annoying. Listens to way more venom, and then like Cavell okay. attack for this sort of like rock and roll like party atmosphere thing going on. Uh, say, I got to punch up a video or something. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, man, uh, the live show is really cool. Uh, I like the the, the song is uh, shorter songwriting that they have going on. Uh, there's 13 songs on this record. It's, it's a little bit over a half hour. Um, yeah, it's fucking rad. Produced by Arthur uh, Risk, who produced uh, a couple of the Power Trip records. Okay. And yeah, bottom line, man, this is it's just fun band. Devil this, Master. This is very catchy, very cool. I like it, man. I, I love the guitar tones. Yeah. Like, I like. I want to see this dude's pedal board because I feel like he's just got some wild shit going on. It's like Flanger and Chorus at the same time. Or yeah, something. That, that guitar tone is trippy. I like it though, man. It does a lot of justice to some of those riffs. That's something I want to see in more music in general. Mm-hmm. Like more people, people going out of their way to make crazy tones. Like this band, mm-hmm. a lot of bands just have like you know their fifty one fifty, and it sounds good. But like people are afraid to embellish. Yeah, sometimes. not, yeah. Put, not yeah. pushing it like uh, as far as they could. You know. Yeah, exactly. I understand people if they just don't want to, but if you want to stand out, maybe have some fun with it. Well, I think that's a it's a per- this band is a perfect example of that of yeah. a kind of unique tone in, in modern shit right now. I agree. But super fun, like it's way more punky with the shorter songs, you know? Well, I mean, if you want to see uh, more more of these like experimenting with tones and pedals and stuff like that, man, it, it's hard. Like, uh, 
there's a story you can actually research, man. It just reminded me of a, of a story. The guy, um, Matt Pike from uh, Sleep and High on Fire. There's yeah. a story you can read about Delta Airlines. Uh, apparently, somebody that works for Delta went all in his uh, in his locked uh, gear bag or gearbox and stole a bunch of his shit. Yeah, Delta, yeah. De- Delta Airlines don't give a fuck. They're not trying to help him out or nothing like that. So you can read about it. Maybe it's been updated. Allegedly, they don't give a fuck. Allegedly, they're not trying to help him. They're an airline. They don't give yeah. a fuck, and they're not going to hear yeah. this. Yeah, so... Uh, but, you know, there's there's that, you know, so it's like when you get these customized pedals and you pay for all this gear, that's something to think about, too, man, you know? But, of course, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got Boofy, them, 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 them janks, next time he goes up, man. You guys don't know what that means. What's up? <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. I said he's got to Boofy them. That means he's got to put them up his ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Travis says that shit all the time. <laughs> but I honestly didn't hear you. That doesn't that surprise me. What, are you sitting yeah. in coach with that dime bag wah up yeah. your ass, sir? <laughs> <laughs> kind of vomit are you talking about tonight will uh the vomit of death what what the fuck other what do you, you guys know me what the fuck else am i talking about listen i'm talking about death vomit they're a band from indonesia uh they've been around since the 90s they're still going hard and their album forging a legacy technically it was released in 2014 i'm cheating however it was reissued on cassette as part of a box set by um Rabin sick or rabin sick uh, records last year so I feel like I can just just kind of push it up enough enough to talk about it tonight because it's a really sick album. This uh, Death Vomit Forging a Legacy album from 2014. Um, it, it's it just does something for me and like this kind of I hate to say it but this brutal death metal style, this kind of suffocation influence style. It's difficult for me to wade through the sea of bands nowadays. It's and, a lot. You know I end up sticking to a lot of my old stuff, but. When I uh, heard this band, when I was going through uh, YouTube and just checking shit out, there's something distinctly Long Island sounding about this. I was gonna say like that first riff was sounded Madball. The, yeah, there's <laughs> just like New York City hardcore. I, kind of I, shit. I, I was gonna say the uh, uh, Rain Supreme by Dying Fetus. There's something yeah, very you know just that the way it sits in the pocket like that. Well, after listening to this album, I get a heavy internal bleeding vibe, yeah, but okay. they don't. It's not. Through and through internal. Yeah. It's more like a suffocation, dying fetus vibe, and every once in a while they go full internal bleeding, mm. which is great because they like it. Just shows you that they know how to execute a slam in the in the traditional New York style. Mm. They don't. They're not like of the modern era slam. They're more with that old school death metal, that rhythmic '90s death metal slam. The production too. Production is very modern. Mm-hmm. Very modern for me. Very clean. But I feel like the drums are the drums are believable. Yeah. You couldn't play this for me and be like, yeah, Will, that's a drum machine, and I would just believe you right off the bat, like some modern records, you know? 
<laughs> and um, these guys just have it. There, there's, like I said, overall very suffocation meets dying fetus vibe to me. Mm-hmm. And you could say that about a billion bands nowadays, which is why that's tough. Mm-hmm. But uh, these guys just nail it professionally. They know they know what they're doing. They've been around since the '90s. They know how to write. They know their. Um, I feel like they know their death metal bands. They know what bands are the classics and what bands really innovated and pioneered and what bands were second tier. When these guys are choosing their influences and, and becoming inspired, this is just top notch, brutal. Uh, I want to say American style death metal or East Coast style death metal. Even though these guys are from Indonesia, but we all know what bands they're influenced by. When you when you talk about the pioneers, yeah. uh, this is just it stands out in that genre. And if you're like me, and maybe it's it's just hard to tell what to listen to nowadays that's coming out new that's in that brutal death metal genre. This is a really good starting place because they're not breaking the wheel, but they're uh, I mean, they're not reinventing the wheel. A uh, whole, whole different. They're time. not doing either. Yeah, they're, they're not. They're not doing any of that stuff. They're they're they're, they're just riding that wheel out uh, the best way they know how. Yeah. So I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of Death Vomit uh, from Indonesia. Love his vocals too. Yeah, great uh, vocals. Yeah, the the production is not too modern though. It's like it still sound like everything still sounds real. The, the guitars yeah. are not like walled out. You know, it's right. It's just it's it's just right. Yeah. And listen to that, man. The leads are well executed. That's what I mean. They're not overly obsessed with slamming and hyper brutality and guttural. They don't. They don't just blast their way through the entire song. These guys have a good arsenal, a good rapport, and they know how to craft their, you know, their songs. Hear that? Uh oh! I think something's. I think something's old. Yeah, something's rotting. Something's been left out for for a while. Uh, yeah, it's been left out since uh, since '98. Oh uh, boy! This is uh, Gorgasm Stab Wound Intercourse. Classic. Yeah. This is a go-to. Uh, if you're not familiar with Gorgasm, get familiar because this is, as Will said, this is classic stuff. This is. You're into Deeds of Flesh, you're into Discord, stuff mm-hmm. like that. This this band does that style, but in their own right. Yeah. Kind of blends that dirtiness. It's not as... Right now we're listening to it, it sounds like a Deeds of Flesh kind of vibe. Yeah, very Deeds of Flesh vibe. Very Deeds. But I feel like Gorgasm sometimes takes it there to a little bit more of a... Um, I don't know, man, like a... a, a uh, Midwest dirtiness. I yeah. don't know, man. Like, like Deeds of Flesh is very refined, very stoic and serious. Not that Gorgasm isn't serious, but Gorgasm they 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 earn their name. 
They earn that name Gorgasm sometimes by just getting getting dope on you and getting guttural on you. <laughs> getting dope yeah, on you. Yeah, they... they it, it's great. The vocal performances are eh, not hardcore, but, you know, more of a yell as... You have the guttural parts like we're listening to now, but there's a range kind of... Mm-hmm. If, I, if I could, something yeah, yeah. just occurred to me. It's kind of like Deeds of Flesh meets Cannibal Corpse... But in the setting of, say, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or The Hills Have Eyes. Thank you. That's that's kind of what I was trying to get at. The, like, uh, very bizarre, freakish, on the outskirts of society, Ameri- rural Americana vibe mm-hmm. to, to this technical, serious death metal. Yeah, and on the instrumental level, it's like the, the tightness of Deeds of Flesh, but the openness and the air of Cannibal Corpse. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is... I know a lot of guitarists who really enjoy this band, now uh-huh. that I think about it, man. I can see why, especially with the mix on this album. The bass is right there, too. Yeah, the bass is yeah. fantastic on this album. And the drummer is just a goddamn machine. Oh, yeah. It's real as hell. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so go check out Saboon Intercourse. It was out on uh, Pulverizer Records in 98, March of 98. And uh, it's cool. It's a little bonus. You got uh, six tracks, and then there's a couple of uh, the old demos at the end of it. Absolutely, and just for a little bit on Pulverizer Records and the climate of the scene uh, when that uh, when that came out, you could reference our interview with uh, um, Joe from Mortal Decay. Yes, because um, Mortal Decay actually had an album out on Pulverizer Records right around the same uh, uh, press run as the, it sh- shared uh, full page ads with this Gorgasm album and everything. And I think uh, I remember Joe talked a little bit about just Pulverizer Records in this time period. If you want to reference that, was that the sickening erotic or? Uh Sickening erotic fanaticism yeah. uh, came out around the same time as uh, orgasm stable and intercourse. Very cool. talk to you about this record you want me to leave the room or no oh, please wow. be here you need to be here for this it's my you... classic uh, album recommendation for the week oh wow this is bringing me back right before our country was formed right uh, I have from dense deep dark forests of Finland Children of Bodom's 1997 slash 98 something wild their debut record on Spine Farm Records released in 98 on Nuclear Blast Woo! man this album meant a lot to me when I found it. Let's get this. Oh, wow. Let's get some just, uh, you know, um, just the formalities out of the way. Mm. Children of Bodom, um, a, a, a blend of uh, melodic death metal, power metal, classical music, pop, little blackened. Mm. Um, just really like carved out uh, a very successful career, like by by blending these sort of things. Um, unbelievable musicianship. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, the members of this band were between 17 and 23 when this record came out. Okay, Alexi wow. Lajo being, wow. uh, being 18. Dude. Fucking crazy. I, I mean, this is, I get it. I used to play Castlevania. 
Yeah, well, that's that's what's up here. It's yeah, like yeah. neoclassical, yeah. and it, this album is like technical, theatrical black metal. Yeah, it's the the most badass, cheesiest thing like I've I've heard or I did hear at the time, and it kind of opened my you know eyes to this sort of uh, role playing bullshit. I don't know. It's it's fucking fantasy like hiking. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have a soft spot for Children of Bodom, but I will say this. This album and Fall the Reaper, it's like a different band yes. than like what most people know Children of Bodom as. Yeah, There's uh, similarities, but the songwriting style was just totally different. For sure, and like, and we've talked about this before in the past, too, where this album is like purposefully the most technical of the Bodom records. You know, probably because it's their first one, but they like they feel like they have something to prove a little bit, you know. And like yeah. maybe Alexi, like the the lead guitar player, made the the fucking brainchild behind this band. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening too much Ingve Malmsteen and way too much, really just going all out in every song. Um, where it's just kind of like it's, it's less of a focus on the songwriting, more of a focus on like the riffs in the song. Yeah, it's very showy. Yeah, and this it's not a perfect album, but it's it's a really. It's really good, yeah. There's definitely some songs in here that are a little uh, too fantasy. Like Lake Bodom. Uh, Yeah. We'll go into that, yeah. So, uh, for people who know Children of Bodom by only their most recent work, or if they've been, you know, mainstream, like in your eyes, you've kind of been like, I don't, what is this Kids of Bodom band? Like, I don't want to listen to that. Like, go back to to where they started. Very honest, humble roots of. Virtuoso um, guitar playing, keyboard playing, fucking nerds. So. <laughs> fucking. This is definitely music school metal. Yes, yeah. 100%. Not, I mean, look, not my cup of bodum, but I can appreciate what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, you you've been around musicians for your whole life. Yeah. You get it, you know, like yeah, they 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 like to show off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is this is so showy, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's fantastic. That's cool. I hope they got laid while making this album. I'm I, sure they did. Yeah, They're in Europe, so there's a chance. Yeah, yeah. high chance, high probability. Not sorry for nostalgia, but great album. Um, enjoy. Just one more thing to add: the uh, the initial synth hits at the very beginning of the song, the dent. Mm-hmm. That uh, I believe that same sound was used in uh, Paula Abdul's. Um, are, you know, are you really gonna love me forever? <laughs> uh, you know, it's yeah. it's yeah. also all over Jock Jams. Yeah, it's yeah, over. yeah. <laughs> it's, right, so. it's the big symphony hit. Yeah. So I'll leave you with that. Shout out to Paul Abdul. So, uh, Will, we haven't heard a uh, old record from you for ten minutes now. So, uh, 
Yeah, look, guys, if I don't talk about a death metal record from before 94, every 10 minutes, I have a heart attack. <laughs> so right now, you got to clear the clear the room. I'm going to talk about something. Uh, I'm cheating right now. I'm just <laughs> one of the seven inches that I had to, like, narrow down and then is, is in the stack over here for the next. I'm just going to talk about it now as my old one, man. I'm just, I'm not, I'm going to be. They don't have to know. The list, no, the listeners, I got to be, you know, everything's got to be above the table with them, man. All right. I don't lie to you people out there. I lie to Tom and Justin, but I don't lie to the listeners, okay? Is that from- why the podcast is so long sometimes? It's just lies? <laughs> it's all lies. It's all bullshit, man. I don't know nothing about death metal. I don't know nothing about metal of death. All right. <laughs> this is excruciating terror from California, man. Um, oh, my God. Where do I begin? One of my all-time favorite bands, Grindcore or any other genre, but a beautiful Grindcore band. Um from uh, I believe from Los Angeles or the Los Angeles area, all uh, Latino gentlemen. Um, a, just a lot of little things about this band that made them stand out. They were kind of associated, from what I could tell later on in the 90s, with the slam a, slap a ham records scene, the power violence punk scene. But these guys are just brutal death metal influenced grindcore. Maybe a little more of that death metal at this point, because this 7-inch, uh, this Legacy of Hate 7-inch, dates back to September 1991. And uh, traditionally, they always open up their stuff with a little bit of a slower, doomy riff or a doomier song. And you can almost picture what they would be like as a death metal band, man. And then they just grind it out. Um, big, big fan of these guys. Them, Phobia, too, another band from that era that's just kind of like more balls out, grindcore destruction, man. But uh, Excruciating Terror, they put out a, a few albums, a few splits. Um, and uh, just just such a great band. They did a resurgence a few years ago, and they did a tour. I got to check them out in uh, Brooklyn. At, I'm looking um, them up right now. They're still around. They're still. Uh, still looks like it looks like they're gonna do something else. Like really? Well, I don't know if they're winding up to do something they're else, but they are it. still actively playing at the moment. Okay, because I know that uh, one member went on to form Bloody Phoenix, and another member formed a band called Endless Demise. And uh, one of them was Dino Casares from Fear Factory. He was in this band, huh? Yeah, he was, but before this release. He was oh. in, for, in 1990. Okay, so Dino from Fear Factory. I, I see you just taught me something, Tom. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, what are you, what I'm are you using on? the internet. What are you on, the old in- internet there? Oh, that's the secret. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so Excruciating Terror, man. A lot of history from this band. Based on this recording, actually, uh, by uh, Jay Arqueros from uh, Nausea from L.A., another classic oh. L.A. band. So this is like a historical re- release right here. And um, Excruciating Terror, just such a good grindcore band. I put them right up there with, like, Squash Bowels, Dead Infection, whatever, Extreme Noise Terror, all my favorite grindcore bands, man. And um, just something always stood out from these guys a little bit because they were associated with uh, with that, that power violence slap of ham scene. They always had a kind of an image um, of of more like these uh, uh, like like L.A. Um, Mexican um, uh, Latino guys, you know, they would wear like the flannels and 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 the hoodies and the baseball caps. Had more of like a gangster hip hop image, um, and then more of a death metal atmosphere to the music. So it was always like a really cool vibe I got off of this band and I've been obsessed with them since high school and it was great to see them on tour I think it might have been four or five years ago now playing the Silent Barn in Brooklyn so great band look at that vocals man gross yeah Victor Garcia the vocalist longtime vocalist I got to speak with him uh, have a short conversation with him a few years ago in Brooklyn man that was a great experience for me just to meet that guy quickly Vato Death Metal man uh, it, it's it's really sick shit, man. I, I love this band. 
And as I said, this is kind of your more uh, atmospheric doom song that they traditionally begin their releases with. And then they just go straight up grind. So, you know. Cool. Yep. Another great guitar tone. Like, yeah. yeah. A lot of yeah. good tones tonight. Flanging. Ooh. Just whoosh. Yeah. It's almost like a like a like a Finnish style lead too. Just like Yeah. The the you know, just notes on the one and carrying through for a couple of Well you of figured ninety one, I mean these guys were probably just listening to it wasn't even about genre then, it was just about heavy music, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Unless of course we're talking about black metal, but that's a different podcast. Well, So that's it for the episode. Um, thanks for sticking around for all seven inches of it. Whoa. Wow. I said no more. Oh, boy. Yeah. I, I only lie to you on the podcast, making that clear. <laughs> yeah, I lie to you guys in the in the group text. I lie to you guys in emails. I, I, I make up lies about you all the time. <sighs> Forget I, about I it. I never thought I'd have such good friends. Yeah. yeah. Will, I just want to thank you for bringing all of your inches in tonight. Really, uh, oh yeah, you really filled us up. And, oh and, boy, man. Yeah, yeah. In the words of, uh, and I, I enjoyed it, Tom. I don't know about you, but I enjoyed it. In the words of uh, the immortal Robert Plant, I gave you every inch of my love uh, tonight. Wow. See, I even made one tonight, but I made it classy. I quoted Led Zeppelin. So yeah, man. We talked about <laughs> talked about power violence and grindcore and guttural death metal, and we even touched on the metal of death, man. We we, we brought you a couple of new albums and a whole lot of old ones, and then right at the end, I snuck another old one in, man. I, I wasn't giving a fuck tonight. I had to talk about excruciating terror. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 7-inch vinyl records, man. An important part of the underground music scene. An important part of grindcore and death metal. As Tom touched on before, um, started more uh, with the radio format and uh, being practic- practical uh, for that and ended up being very practical I think for the independent and uh, thrifty spirit of the type of music we do. I'd you know? say so, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so... Um, just touched on some of these classic releases and talked a little bit about what it was like using the vinyl in the 90s, the cassette tapes and everything, man. And I really appreciate you guys letting me going on, uh, go on a little trip down memory lane here, man, you know, with the listeners. So. Well, we're learning with the listeners tonight. Yeah, man. So uh, listeners can get in touch with us. Let us know about your favorite uh, vinyl releases, whether they're 7 inches, 3 inches, 10 inches, whatever. Um uh, shaped like a buzzsaw, uh, flexi, whatever they are, special colors, uh, etched artwork. Talk about your vinyl, man. What's that? Uh, you got the, the email, the phone number? Yeah, so you want heavyholepodcast at gmail.com. Just Google Heavy Hole if you're looking for social medias. We got the Instagram. It's on there. Yeah, we got the Twitter. And uh, give us a voicemail uh, if you like. It's at 631-837-3274. And no uh, pictures of your other seven inches. Yeah. Oh, uh, boy. All right. All right. Eight tracks episode is coming up, guys. Peace. <laughs> Boop, 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 boop,
Thank <laughs> you.